You always need to know your customers. You always need to know in terms of what are some of the key points you want to dial up and dial down for your products and services. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. We're back with another episode of the B2BMX podcast, and we are going strong with our speaker introductions on the podcast again this week because B2BMX is just a few sleeps away, and I am so, so excited. This week, we have a B2BMX veteran, Pam <laughs> Didner. <laughs> she is on the line today with me. You're a veteran. You, I mean, you've been to our event so many times. You've been, you host workshops, you have spoken, and you're speaking again because the audience just loves you so, so much. And you always have honestly the best actionable takeaways and insights. So I'm so excited to have you back. But if you know, if you don't know Pam, honestly, she rarely needs an introduction. She's a B2B marketing consultant. She's an author and just an overall powerhouse woman. So Pam, how are you today? It's so good to chat with you. I'm doing very well. Thank you for the kind intro. Really appreciate it. <laughs> well, we love you so much, Pam. Um, you're basically part of the B2BMX family. So obviously, I had to have you come on the podcast today and essentially just catch up and, and all that. So first things first, let's do the catching up. What have you been up to the past few months? Yeah, like everyone else, I've been homebound, but I did travel to Paris to speak at the in-person B2B summit in November, and that was a lot of drama and a lot of fun. And the drama is I lost the luggage, and they didn't deliver the luggage um, 10 hours before I spoke. So I had a bag of plan. I went to their department store and bought the best dress ever. I had such a great time shopping. (laughs) (laughs) That is, I mean, that is the perfect scenario, right? I mean, it's a good excuse to go shopping and you just have to, bl- you know, you just blame it on the airline, right? Yeah, but I went here, it was very stressful. You know, you brought the dress with you and you wanted to wear, but you can't and you were not sure if they are going to deliver like in time. So I was like, what the heck? I would just go and spend $500. And I did. That was a lot. I was like, you know what? Merry Christmas to Pam. Merry Christmas <laughs> to Pam. And by the way, I also did an in-person workshop for a client of mine in Miami. And that was right after the Paris trip. So it made me realize how much I miss the face-to-face communications. So these are kind of like highlights, if you will, that happened in the past two months. It was actually good. I love that. And steering away from that, since since you did say you, you traveled a little bit and you went to some in-person events, what were they like? I'm sure things changed. And obviously our events, our in-person events have, have changed a bit in how we plan them and things like that. So what was kind of like a standout moment for you at these events? What were they like, in, especially in Paris? What, what's it like over there in terms of post-COVID event? Yeah, so everybody wore masks. So that's kind of like a standard practice. And uh, of course, you have to show you'll be vaccinated and given that everybody uh, like showing that they're being vaccinated and everybody's wearing masks so the social distancing was not the biggest deal and the kino hall I was speaking at it was actually packed 
with 700 people. So with that being said, I think in terms of the engagement, it was actually kind of like a business as usual, if you will. It's just like everybody tried to be uh, cautious. And when we talk to each other, there's still a distance in between. But when I see uh, uh, several friends and uh, we are, we still hug each other. Does that make sense? So I guess it depends on people's, the comfort level. And for me, given that I being vaccinated and also at a client's workshop, that was a small room with for a group of 12 people. And the three of them actually came from England. So they have to jump the hoop to actually come to the States. And we did not actually wear uh, the mask the whole time because it was just hard. And uh, it still turned out to be a great event in terms of that having a face-to-face meeting. And it got a lot done for their uh, plane 2022. So I guess people are kind of like tip their toes into a face-to-face communications and also interaction. And, uh, and now a lot of people actually have their own styles in terms of how they want to interact. So before I walk into check into the building, they actually have a three different kinds of rubber bands. And the, the green one basically say, yeah, you know what? We are the hugger. We are being vaccinated. It will be good. It's actually okay to have a close communication. And they have a yellow rubber band. They also have a red one. The red one basically said something like, I prefer to actually keep in distance. So when you see people wear different rubber bands, you kind of know what kind of communication styles or they prefer to actually engage with you. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I love that. I've actually seen that around and I almost, I feel like we should implement that for B2BMX. I love the little color coding and then right off the bat that you could just, this person only wants to do a fist bump, no handshake and things like that. So I think it's a really cute idea. Yeah, exactly. I 100% agree with you. I mean, so, you know, you somehow respect other people's boundary, right? Definitely. Definitely. All right. So, I mean, we've obviously gone through some massive change the past two years, obviously, and the industry as a whole has has changed. And honestly, since your early days, right? I mean, you've been in the space for so long. And, you know, I actually asked Marcus Sheridan and Jay Bear this question the last two episodes that we've had. And I really want to ask you because you're also a veteran in the space. So tell me what you've learned back in your early days of marketing and sales enablement that you still keep in mind and focus on all of these years and a whole pandemic later? Yeah. So that's actually a great question. And I've been thinking about what are some of the behaviors that's actually been permanently being impacted or some of the fundamental that has changed. What I have discovered, the marketing fundamentals haven't changed much. You still need to know who your audience is. You still need to know your products well. You still need to know like what to say, how to say, and where to say it, especially in terms of your messaging. And the key things about understand your audience, understand them deeply, and that hasn't changed. You always need to know your customers. You always need to know in terms of what are some of the key points you want to dial up and dial down for your products and services. What has changed is in terms of audience behaviors, right? So in the past, for example, B2BMX, right? For the longest time, it's always by default in-person event. Love it. Love it. Love it so much. Everybody loved that interaction and then draw the energies from other B2B marketers. But unfortunately, due to the pandemic, it forced us to actually have a virtual communication and have virtual events. So 
then the marketer needs to think about, or you have to think about, like the B2B marketers who are your target audience, is that behavior changing permanently? Or it's just more or less like a temporary solutions and with the pandemic. And the, the things, the challenge that marketers need to understand is while they are rekindle that relationship with their audience or try to reevaluate their audience, they need to understand what are some of the behavior is permanent, what some of them are not. And that is the challenge that we will run into. But in general, I think the marketing fundamentals stays the same. Is that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. It makes perfect sense. So let's move on to a, a topic that is near and dear to your heart, sales enablement. Yay! Uh, <laughs> and of course, that's always the underlying theme of many of your presentations and workshops at B2BMX and will be, of course, this year as well. So now that we're in this digital first world, right, the lines between sales and marketing are blurring and they've blurred a lot already. So tell me, first things first, what in your opinion is the current state of sales enablement. And then we'll move on to the second question, second part of this question about how can marketing and sales work together towards a common goal. So let's start with the current state of sales enablement in your eyes. In the B2B world, especially the purchasing cycle is long and also many products that we sell require some sort of show and tell. Therefore, the sales cannot do all the sales by themselves. Does that make sense? Because they need somebody to help them in terms of, okay, create content to explain the products better or even train them that they know the product so much better so they can speak in their own words comfortably. So the current state of a sales enablement, especially in the B2B world, is that sales need help. That will never stop. Okay. The question is, where do they get help? A lot of companies, they have a sales ops, they also have a sales enablement function, and they have internal sales support team to support the sales. But marketing more and more are playing a critical role supporting sales. That has a lot to do with what you said. In a digital first world, the lines between sales and marketing have been blurry. For example, for a long time, marketing is the one that has been running email campaigns. Frankly, sales can also run a mini email campaign out of their contacts and through CIM database. So now the email marketing campaign can be run by either sales and also by marketing. So who is taking the ownership of that? Maybe there's no ownership that needs to be discussed. But if you reach out to the same audience, you don't want to actually have that kind of duplication that they receive similar email within the same week from the same company. So you need to discuss in terms of how do you divide the roles and responsibility between sales and marketing. Okay, that's one. To answer your second question in terms of why it's so hard to actually align sales and marketing, I think that has a lot to do with, from the get-go, the way we approach the marketing outreach or even the customer outreach tend to be a little bit different. Salespeople tend to focus on short-term gold and marketing people tend to focus on long-term. The brain awareness tend to be long-term. The marketing people tend to focus on customers and then salespeople focus on decision makers. And the marketing people focuses the top of the funnel and then the salespeople focus on the bottom of the funnel. And the marketing, we talk about personas, sales talk about accounts, right? So there are a lot of differentiation or differences between the sales and marketing. And the way that we approach to achieve 
our goal sometimes are different as well. Because there are such differences between sales and marketing to some extent, that's why it's kind of hard to align them. But the best way for marketing and sales to work together is to find a joint initiative. For example, account-based marketing campaigns. That's a great way to actually align sales and marketing. And for marketing people to attend a regular sales huddle meeting that's, and to address sales needs ad hoc, that's another way to actually align. There are many ways that you can do it. Sales and marketing can also work together on biz dev to capture new logos. There are ways to do it. But in terms of like, can they be fully 100% gel? It might be very hard, but find the key initiative and then take it from there. Fascinating. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you just have to communicate better, right? Sales and marketing communication is key. It's like marriage. (laughs) I 100% agree. You hit the core. It is. It's kind of, I always feel like working with sales are kind of like, it's like your spouse, you know what I'm saying? If you want to rekindle that relationship or you want to stay close, you need to communicate. And I agree the communication is a key part of aligned sales and marketing. And that communication doesn't have to be like, oh my God, we need to talk every day. It's, can we have a regular cadence of a communication? Like salespeople actually participate in the marketing annual planning or the marketing attend to weekly sales huddles. So keep that communication going is key. Very interesting. And I also, I wanted to bring this up because obviously buyers preferences and audience preferences have changed so much, right? And some of them may not want to immediately talk to sales or they wait, you know, a very long time before they do talk to sales. But there's also that one common factor that's coming into play is that there are so many people in a buying group now. So now sales has to not only be relevant to not just one person, like they have to be relevant to a big group, right? How does that work? That's a great point. And this is especially the case in the B2B world, especially if you sell products to enterprises. And the reason that there are many cooks in the kitchen, I call them too many cooks in the kitchen. It has a lot to do with when they purchase a platform or they purchase a product, the dollar value tend to be very big. And because the dollar value is very big, and also chances are many users will be using that tool. And the dollar value is big and the number of the users tend to be obviously substantially larger than you just sell as a platform to say small or medium sized company. Therefore, there are many people needs to be involved in terms of decision making, right? You need probably purchasing to look over the contract. You probably need the end user provide some input because they are the end user will be using the product. And you probably will also need the IT because that it's a technology or a platform that needs to be incorporated into the existing infrastructure. And another thing is maybe there's an integration that needs to be done down to uh, between sales and marketing. And all of a sudden, the sales ops needs to be involved. And all of a sudden, I mentioned four different type of group that needs to be part of that decision-making power or needs to be part of that sourcing. And that's the main reason why they tend to have a group of people making a decision. But sales usually are very good to identify who are, they call it final D, D as in David, the decision maker, right? If you have like a five or six group of people, representatives, and they're coming to make a sourcing, make a purchase decisions, at the end of the day, there's always one or two Ds, which is decision makers. And the salespeople usually are very good 
in terms of identify who other potential decision makers are, and they are also very good to identify who the influencers are, like what influencing the purchasing decision. But the way to talk to the influencers or the way to talk to the decision makers might be slightly different, and also depending on if they are using the products or not. And with that being said, sales always kind of, when I work with the sales, sales always talk to me and they share with me in terms of who the decision makers are and how, what is the game plan to talk to them. And at the same time, when they do the pitch, they will also address on the side in terms of the influencers' uh, concerns. So in a way, they have to look at very holistically and they look at every single group, the individual within the group, and make sure that everybody's account for it. Awesome. All right, let's talk content because your track session at B2BMX is really all about how to make the most out of marketing content for the sales team, right? So without giving too much away, tell me a little bit about this. How can organizations get started in aligning on content that really delivers that that great experience at all stages of the buyer's journey? Yeah, we tend to focus on mapping content to purchase journey or the buyer's journey, like you said, Claudia. But the thing is, salespeople only thinking about in terms of, okay, what is my sales engagement? What is my engagement with the prospect? What will I look like? How can I facilitate my engagement with them? So we can move down to, say, qualification. Then we can move it down to a demo stage. Then we can move down to negotiation or the PO stage. So when you are talking to salespeople, they are always thinking in terms of their sales stages, the step that they need to go through. So when you map the content to a purchase journey, that sounds great for them. But in terms of helping them, they will always come to you and ask, hey, I am actually going to qualify this prospect. What do you think the content I should use to actually share with them? So that will encourage them to actually hook their interest that they want to see a demo. So they are thinking about sales stages. And my question to the marketers who are supporting sales How about mapping content to sales stages? So during the session, I will have templates to share with everyone in terms of what you can do to map the content to a sales stages instead of purchase journey. So come to my session and find out the ideas and also templates what you can do. I love it. I love it. I love it. So from your experience, what have you found to be the most common and really helpful content formats, like in terms of formats that marketing can provide sales to do their jobs better? Is it video? Is it written ebooks or whatever? Is it audio things? Or what do you think have been the most helpful content formats? For longest time in the B2B side of the world, and it tend to be written format, okay, like PDF and uh, also ebook and blog. It's a written format that tends to be popular. But during the pandemic, I think the things have changed. The video now become actually a whole lot more uh, popular. A lot of salespeople are actually making like a short video and embedded into the email that they send out to the prospects. You know, hey, this is Ben, how are you? Just want to share with you in terms of our product. So they actually have a little short video and to talk about in terms of the purpose of the email and uh, what are the things they need to pay attention to, for example. I personally think the salespeople needs to be comfortable in front of video. 
And I know a lot of salespeople, seasoned sales professional. If you put them in front of the prospect, they can talk. They are charming. They know what to say, and they can observe other people's body languages immediately and pick some cues and the clue, and they can move the conversation like no one else. Somehow, somehow, if you put them in front of the camera and the webcam, they just <laughs> freeze. <laughs> you know what? That happened to me as well. I mean, when I started doing the video recording, I was very uptight, and I think over a period of time, when you have done enough, like you, Claudia, you have done enough podcasts, and you just sound very natural, right? And I encourage all my sales peeps and the people I work with. I say you have to get incredibly comfortable in front of video, just like you are talking to prospect. And I also encourage the salespeople to actually create video to actually share, and with their prospects and also their existing customers. Just talk things through, and it just be very conversational. So I think the video format is going to be popular and will continue to be so moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree more. You know, not everybody's perfect on camera or even on stage, right? You know, after the first try, it's practice makes perfect, and just doing it over and over again, it becomes so natural. And that's also the case too. Um, even when trying to find or recruit speakers for events, it's so different because, yeah, this person might be great on stage with an audience that is actually interacting with them versus somebody that's presenting virtually and doesn't get that audience feedback unless it's like in a little chat situation, right? So 100% agree with you. It took me a while to get myself comfortable through a virtual communication and also, also uh, speaking virtually. And initially, just wanted to share with you, Claudia, I think when the pandemic just started and you requested, like say, hey, recorded a session for us. Do you know, I usually recorded like five or six times. I got myself so mentally and physically exhausted. And I was like, I cannot do this. I just can't. <laughs> because you like, you say it and because it's recorded, when you kind of watch it, you're always like, oh my God, I made a mistake. I should not do that. Oh, my hand should not be there. Oh my, like my clothes, oh my hair or like I stuttered and then over a period of time I just like you know what <laughs> I'm yeah it's more authentic that way you can't nitpick every situation I was the exact same way Pam when the pandemic did first start and we started doing our virtual events I was responsible of recording videos uh, introductions on the website and all that and it literally one of the videos it was a five minute introduction video it took me all day to record i'm not surprised <laughs> it was the same way too i remember there was one session i did i started at 9 p.m i didn't get it done until 2 a.m i was like by the time i did the last recording i was like if this is the case oh my god for the rest of pandemic i'm gonna die i literally like tears in my eyes but just like you said, it's just practice makes perfect. And then over a period of time, I got better at it. And then now I can do one or two shots, not like five or six recordings. So. Hey, marketers, you've been waiting for it, and it's finally happening. The B2B Marketing Exchange is back in person in Scottsdale. If you're a fan of the conversations we share on the B2BMX podcast, this event is literally made for you. Get a front row seat at sessions that will challenge everything you think you know about marketing. Plus, you'll finally get back to in-person networking in a safe, comfortable environment. 
As a B2BMX podcast listener, you'll get 50% off your ticket by using the code B2BMXPOD during registration. Check out the show notes for more information or head to B2BMarketing.exchange to register now. While we're on the topic of virtual events, obviously now we're moving into this hybrid world, right? And there are so many different variations of what hybrid means to people. You know, you ask one person, it means one thing, and you ask another, it means another, which is fine. But I know you've had your experiences with virtual events, obviously, in the last two years, and you've done speaking at in-person events too. So what do you think or wish will stay in this hybrid world? And what should we kind of just completely avoid from what we've learned in in the virtual event experience moving forward? And you can answer this as a speaker or an attendee of events. This is actually, I'm thinking about that question as well. Personally, if you let me choose one or the other, like in-person event or a virtual speaking I actually much prefer in-person communication. The reason is, as a speaker, it doesn't matter you are on the stage or you are like walking around the audience, you kind of draw that energy directly from the audience and you got their attention because they are in the room with you. And when you do a virtual communication and it's always like a one-way street, right? And of course, you cannot... You don't know if they are paying attention to you or they are just like doing a load of laundry. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) At the same time, they are listening or a dog just pop in. You don't get their full attention. Does that make sense? I understand the hybrid model is here to stay. But personally, for me, I still much prefer that in-person communication. It doesn't matter I'm a speaker or I'm attendee. I still like to be on site And then I have that full attention for the event. And I'm there to learn. I'm there to mingle. I'm there to network. I'm there to know people, right? That is, as much as I love the hybrid event, I guess I hope I'm not the extreme, that I still love that in-person connection. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think there's place for both, right? And I'm looking forward to seeing what even a hybrid model looks like because I personally haven't really seen an event do a full hybrid event, like where there's in-person with a lot of virtual components for a different audience. And of course, you know, with B2BMX, we're dabbling in it as well, but we're such a small team and we're still figuring it out ourselves. So again, just like with recording videos, it's practice makes perfect. And every day, every time we host an event, we learn something new. So, and, and that's actually, that's the exciting part of it, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's a journey right? You are going to morph as you go. And there are several different even elements that is actually perfect for in-person, but may not apply to kind of like a virtual communication. Like for example, network launch. It's very hard to actually get people engaged when they are, when you do a virtual communication. But if you actually have a training that is actually recorded or live, people will be very much inclined to actually watch it. But if you actually have like a virtual network lounge, you just anticipate like people go there and just somehow mingle, I think that's much harder. So you probably have to look at the different event elements and then determine which one it's appropriate for hybrid. Yeah. 
Awesome. All right. Last question for you, Pam. What's next? What's next for Pam Didner? <laughs> well, the next is I am looking forward to seeing you and also talking to B2B marketers at the B2B MX. And love, love, love the Arizona sunshine. And I would like to see a hug you and a Elisa and the whole crew. And the biggest, I guess, deliverable for the first half of 2022 is I got invited to create a B2B marketing plan course for LinkedIn. And they have a such in-depth process they follow to create a course content. So I'm working with a producer. I'm working with a content manager that they assigned to me. I'm very much looking forward to have a course launch in June. Very, very cool. So we will have to reconnect once you get going on that so I could learn all about it and, and hear your experience about that. That sounds awesome. I would love to see that. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. And yes, of course, we cannot wait to see you. I'm hoping we get beautiful, beautiful weather since BWMX is a little later in February than normal than we normally do. So I'm really, really excited. So it's going to be a really great time. Well, guys, that is a wrap on me and on Pam. Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening to this conversation. And listen, if you like this conversation, if you liked last week's conversation or the one before that and before that, it's still not too too late to register and attend B2BMX. Come join us in Scottsdale. There's going to be plenty of Pam to go around and we're going to have, yeah, we're going to have a workshop with her. She's going to take the stage. And then of course we will be at all the parties. So I'm so, so, so excited. And of course the link to register will be in the show notes. So you have easy access there. And I'm pretty sure we still have that special discount code for podcast listeners. So be sure to check it out. Yeah, that's really all I've got for you all today. Thank you so much again to Pam for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the pod so you don't miss any new episodes and any podcast player of your choice, really. And of course, catch us on Twitter and LinkedIn to share feedback and just, you know, let me know who else you want to hear from on the podcast podcast. Thanks again, guys. Hopefully we will see you in Scottsdale. Thank you, Pam. Catch you all next week. Bye-bye.